chapter five, page 815 is where we're gonna be. So I wanna start with just a little bit of vulnerability and maybe a little bit of crowd participation. So I just wanna ask a question and hopefully you'll have the courage to answer it if this applies to you. Um, have there been any of you in this room at any point in your life that have ever struggled with sleepwalking? Raise your hand if you have, if you have ever sleptwalked on a regular basis. Okay, a few of you. The nine o'clock had more sleepwalkers. Either they're just more honest or there's something about the nine o'clock. Maybe they weren't even awake. They were just drawn here in their, in their sleep. But the thing that's so interesting to me about sleepwalking is sleepwalking, you're alive, but you're just not aware of what it is that you're doing, right? Like, like, like your body's functioning, uh, your, your body's moving, you're doing all kinds of things, but your, your mind is just fundamentally unaware of what you're doing. I had a, a good friend growing up who was a sleepwalker and he would literally get out of bed at night and he would walk out of the house. And so his parents had to put deadbolts at the top of the doors because he was too short to reach them because they would find him like walking down the streets. Or um, I've had friends who would sleepwalk and they'd get up in the middle of the night and they would, they'd eat a pie or they would, they would work around the kitchen or they'd do these hobbies. And there's a lot of different forms of, of sleepwalking. When I was a kid, up until the time I was in late middle school, I had a very embarrassing form of sleepwalking. I would literally wake up, uh, or I wouldn't wake up, I would get up in the middle of the night and I would wander into different places and, and I would pee in very, that's what I said, that's true, I would, I would use the bathroom in very unfortunate places and so my parents would wake up and I'd be standing in front of the fridge or I have this um, very distinct memory, I kid you not, I'm, I'm like in the middle of the night and there's this bright light in my face and I'm like, what's that light from? And it was the lamp beside my parents' dresser like they woke up, they didn't know what noise was going on and they turned on the light and they were terrified to find me and I was terrified to find them. And, um, and that was just kind of my sleepwalking. But one of the worst moments was in middle school. Uh, I went to church camp for the very first time and I remember just thinking like, Lord, please, like, please, anywhere but here. You know, middle school, you're just so fragile and, and you know, you're just trying to figure out who you are. And so uh, at some point, uh, that one of those nights I'm there at camp, I get out of bed and I'm wandering through the cabin and uh, my shins hit the edge of my friend's bed and apparently that makes my brain think it's the edge of a toilet and I begin to do, you know what? And, and I hear this noise just like, uh, and, I, and I look down, I wake up and my friend is laying there, you know, and, and I'm using the bathroom on him and and I do what any man of God would do. I ran. Like, I'm like, I'm not going to stick around and tell him what happened. Literally, he thought he had wet himself. And so, um, you know, we're good friends now. We made it through that moment. But sleepwalking, like, it, just, just a humiliating, embarrassing thing. And, and some of you have done that. You've been around people that have done that right where, where, where literally your, your body is alive, but you're not awake. You're alive, but yet you're unaware of what it is that you're doing. And I think this is so important. You know, we've been in the book of Ephesians for the last 13 weeks, and we got to chapter two about 10 weeks ago, and Paul begins to make this unbelievable declaration. He says, in Jesus, you're alive. It's the truest thing about you. You were dead, now you're alive. You were lost, now you're found. You were condemned, now you have been justified. You've been freed, you've been seated with Christ. You've been created for a purpose. He says, you're alive, you're alive, you're alive. But he gets to chapter five and he says, but not all of you are awake. And there's a difference between being alive and being awake. And this is how Paul begins to talk about it in Ephesians chapter five, verses 14. Listen to this. He says, this is why it said, wake up, 
Wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. So be careful then how you live, not as unwise people, but as the wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of God is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Spirit, which leads to speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. So sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we've been on this journey together, and Paul's talking to this group of Christians. He's speaking to those of you that have placed your faith in Jesus, and he says, here's the deal. You have been made alive in Jesus, but just because you're alive doesn't mean you're awake, and there's a difference. There's a difference. And he begins to speak and give us these word pictures for what happens when we begin to awaken to our aliveness. And I believe ultimately our awakening to our aliveness is about this increased awareness. And Paul's gonna give us kind of four pictures of how we begin to grow in awareness as we begin to grow in awakeness towards what it is that Jesus has already done. And the first picture that you see is there in verse 15. He says, listen, there's a season in your life where you were dead. Now you've been made alive in Jesus, he says, but you're still sleepwalking. He says, and the way that you recognize that you're sleepwalking is you have this deep tendency to miss the opportunities that are all around you, to miss the will of God for your life right here and right now. He says, but wake up. He says, wake up. And one of the signs of our awakening or of our waking up is that all of a sudden we grow in awareness of the opportunities that are all around us. Look back at verse 15, I love what he says. He says, be careful then how you live, not as the unwise, but as the wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So therefore, don't be foolish, listen to this, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Paul says, listen, you've been placed where you've been placed, the the jobs you work, the houses you live in, the place where you get coffee every morning on the way to work, your, your friend group, the people that you're around. And he says, there's this tendency for some of us to be made alive in Jesus, but to go right back to sleep and to miss the opportunities that are all around us. And he says, your awakening is about your awareness to the fact that God is in the business of drawing all people to himself, and he longs to use you to be a part of, of doing that. He says, so wake up. There's opportunities here. It's that moment you begin to experience whenever you're at work and that person you've sat next to in the cubicle for the last four years, they've always gotten on your nerves, but it's something different this week. And you're sitting there and you're listening to them talk and your heart begins to ask the question, maybe they don't annoy me because they're annoying. Maybe they annoy me because something is going on in their life that they're hiding. A place of pain or brokenness. He says, there's this awakening. There's this awareness that begins to happen where you realize, hey, I'm not just there to collect a paycheck. Hey, I'm not just in this neighborhood to serve or to live, but I'm here to serve. And Paul's gonna say, have you recognized the will of God for your life in all of the places that you're currently in? Because that's a sign that you're living as people who are awake and not just people who have been made alive. Several months ago, Sydney and I, we moved into a new house as we moved into this neighborhood, it had been really hard to find a place to live. We didn't know where we were gonna live. We finally get a house and we, we, we move in and we just start asking God, hey God, would you increase our awareness as to why you put us in this neighborhood? And so we just start asking God, help us to see our neighbors, help us to recognize the opportunity that is all around us. And God has just opened up all of these doors uh, to serve and love the people in our neighborhood. Well, one of our neighbors, they're, they're across the street. 
They're an elderly couple, just amazing. We've fallen in love with them. Uh, she's had cancer for the last couple of years and she hasn't been doing very well. So we come home from church last Sunday. We've been worshiping here with you at the cannery. We come home and there's all of these cars out in front of the house. We thought, oh no, something has happened to Carolyn. There've been cars there every day for the last couple of days. We thought maybe something bad has happened. People are walking into the house and so we just get out of the car. I run across the street and just said, hey, we're the neighbors, we, we love them. Could you just help me understand, is Carolyn okay? And the family members just looked at us. They were just heart sick. I could tell something was going on. They said, you haven't heard about their daughter, have you? And I said, no. She said their daughter on Friday was tragically murdered and goes on to tell us this story. Some of you heard about it in the news this week. And we were coming back into the kitchen. Sydney's like, is everything okay with Carolyn? I'm like, no, I don't even have a box to put in the, the news that I just found out. And I told her, and there was this, this moment where the spirit of God was going, hey, don't you see what's going on here? That you're not just here for like a real estate investment. You're not just here for a comfortable place to put your head down. Like you are here so that my presence can be made known to these people in the midst of their grief. Like, will you lean into it? Will you become aware of the opportunity in the midst of the tragedy? And Paul says, you've been made alive. The question is, have you been made awake? Because have you ever noticed how easy it is in the context of your life to just keep going and to keep going and to keep going and to miss the opportunity that's all around you? And Paul says, wake up, O oh sleeper. Wake up, O oh sleeper. You've, you've been made alive. Wake up in Jesus. There's this thing that happens when we begin to awaken. First, we begin to become aware of the opportunities around us. Secondly, we begin to become deeply aware of our need for the Holy Spirit. I love this. Look at verse 18. He says, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you grew up in really conservative legalistic backgrounds. And this was like the one verse that you had in the Bible to, to prove that you shouldn't drink. And, and you know, here's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, hey, don't get drunk. He's being serious about that because it's not good, okay? And some of you are like, well, I'm buzzed. Is that, yeah, you're drunk. Don't, don't do that, okay? There's more for you. But what Paul is speaking about here is so much bigger than our alcohol habits and what we do with what we drink or what we don't drink. Paul is saying, hey, listen, in your old life, before you were alive in Jesus, before you were awakened in Jesus, there was this temptation for you to put your life under the control of something else. He says, for some of you, it's alcohol. I think if he's writing it now, he'd say, some of you put your life under the control of other people's opinions or put yourself under the control of social media. You put yourself under the control of these longings in your heart to make it to the top of your professional world, whatever it may be. He says, he says don't allow your life to be intoxicated with something lesser than the Spirit of God. He says, because here's what happens. He says, some of us are made alive in Jesus and then we just think it's game over, cruise control all the way till the end when we see Jesus face to face. He says, no, you've been made alive. Now it's time for you to be awakened. And a part of you being awakened is you recognize that there's opportunity all around you. And the moment you see the opportunity, you go, oh my goodness, God, I need more of your spirit. And so the command here in Ephesians 5.18 is he says, you're being awakened he says, and part of you being awakened is you keep coming back to Jesus saying, Jesus, I want more of your Holy Spirit. Jesus, send me more of your Holy Spirit. Paul says, listen, I saw all of you at spring break your freshman year. You know how to nurse a beer. I wanna teach you how to nurse the Spirit, to keep topping off, to keep coming back because there's more of God for all of us to be had. He says, I want you to have the more. I remember several years ago, I was talking to a good friend of mine and, uh, and he, he says, Dave, when, when did you get the Holy Spirit? 
And I said, which time are you talking about? And he kind of stood back and said, what, what do you mean? He says, he says, when did you get the Spirit? And I said, I said well, you know, the, the Bible says that in order to profess Jesus as Lord, the Spirit of God has to be at work in your life. So something's happening there when you profess Jesus as Lord. The Bible says when you repent from your sins and you go down in the water and you're baptized that we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And here in Ephesians 5, verse 18, Paul says, and I command you to constantly, in the original language, to continually keep coming back to Jesus for more of the Holy Spirit. And so I'm talking to my friend, he said, wait, so you think you can receive more of the Spirit as time goes on? And I said, man, I don't know how it works. I made a 14 on my ACT, like, you know, I'm not the, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. But when I look at the scriptures, here's what I see. I go, Peter had the Spirit of God working in his life in Matthew chapter 16. In John chapter 20, Jesus breathes the Spirit on Peter. In Acts chapter two, he's baptized again in the Spirit, that's number three. In Acts chapter four, he's in the house when the Spirit of God is poured out. And I go, so the apostle Peter, who was with Jesus in the flesh, received the Spirit of God at least four times that we know of in the scripture. I go, what about you? I go, man, if, if he needed more of God, man, I want more of God. I go, how often have I encountered the Holy Spirit? Too many to count, but what I know is when I begin to see the opportunities around me, I become desperate for more of God. And some of you were raised up with a theology or a way of thinking that said everything had to happen all at once or nothing happened at all. And I believe that's a totally insufficient way of viewing the work of Christ in our life. That we're on this ongoing road of revelation and of fullness. And the moment Christians become fearful of asking God for more of himself is the moment we cease to experience the joy of what it means to be Christian in the first place. Because the reward of this whole thing is God. So husbands, don't ever be embarrassed to turn off the TV and to get your wife down on the floor and say, let's pray for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our marriage. Friends, don't ever be embarrassed to get your friends together and say, hey, let's pray for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our presence. Church, don't ever be embarrassed to come over to the respond banner and say, I want more of the Holy Spirit in my life because you see this. You see this in the scriptures. That when people are alive and they begin to awaken, there is this awareness that, man, we need more of God's presence in our life. He says, you're alive, but are you awake? He says, because when you're awake, you recognize that there's opportunity all around you. And you recognize that you need the spirit of God to be poured out in your life in a fresh new way to meet the opportunity. And number three, look at this in verse 19. I love this. He says, and then you begin to speak to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the spirit sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. He says this beautiful thing begins to happen as you awaken in the Lord. You recognize that God longs to use your life as his microphone to speak his word into other people's existence. Some of you have never heard that before, that, that God wants your life to be his microphone that he speaks through. And you find yourself in all of these moments where your friends are asking for advice, where your friends want to know, hey, what should I do here? And there's this temptation when we're sleepwalking to answer from our wisdom and our flesh and our experience. He says, but no, when you've been awakened in Jesus, you begin to recognize that in those moments, God wants to speak through you for them. He says, and if you'll be alive and awakened in your aliveness, You'll open yourself up so that the Psalms and the scriptures and the words of God and the revelation of the Holy Spirit can be illuminated to you. But in order for something to come out, it means something first had to go in, right? 
He says, but this is what you were made for. I think about Dennis and Marsha Malone. They're part of our church family. A lot of you know Dennis and Marsha. You cannot speak to Dennis and Marsha for more than a minute without the word of God just flowing out of their mouths. In fact, sometimes I don't know where Dennis ends and the spirit of God is beginning. He'll, he'll be talking to me and encouraging me and then I realize, oh, he's quoting Colossians 3 and now it's back to Dennis, verse 2.0 and now it's back to Psalm 87 and he just speaks and the word of God flows out of him. Or some of you know our sister Mary. Man, if you've ever been around Mary and her husband Russ, when, when Mary is in your presence, it's just like the spirit of God just flows out of her like living water. She just speaks life. Wherever she goes, just speaks life. And Paul says, you're alive, but are you awake? He says, because when you're awake, all of a sudden, you're not just aware of the opportunity or aware of your need for the spirit. You're aware that God is wanting to use you in every single moment so that his life can flow through you for the sake of those that are around you. But it's not just that you will be a microphone to others, it's that you will in turn be a microphone back to himself. Look at the end of verse 19, he says, listen. He says, when this happens, it's not just that you sing songs from the spirit, I love this. He says, but you sing and you make music from your heart unto the Lord. Paul is talking about something so much richer and deeper than us standing in a room reading worship lyrics that somebody else wrote for us. That's a great way to worship, it's a great way to sing. He says, but there's a, a way of worshiping in which the spirit of God just bubbles up in you like a spring and all of a sudden the words of love and adoration and joy and praise for our heavenly father just flows out of us. Think about my, my son, Jack, he's five years old and Jack's hero is Brooks, Loki, the guys that was playing drums this morning. And so Sydney and I will be in our house no, yesterday we we're in our kitchen, we were doing something in the kitchen and we just hear this noise coming from outside and we're like, there's Jack, he's worshiping again. And I kid you not, we look out in the backyard, he has these two sticks and he's just banging these bricks and he's just singing to the Lord. He doesn't care what the neighbors think, he doesn't care what his brothers think, he's just worshiping. And I, I go downstairs because I just love being in his presence when he's worshiping. And I open up the door and as soon as he sees me, he's just beating that stack of bricks. He's like, dad, I'm just singing a new song to God and he's just singing and he's just worshiping. We'll walk by him, he'll be in his room, he'll close the door and he's just like worshiping to the Lord. And I'm like, man, we need to get Jack in here to teach guys like me how to worship. Jack's like, oh God, you're just awesome. And sometimes his theology is jacked up, but his heart is pure. <laughs> and he sings and he worships. And he says, you've been made alive, but are you awake? Are you awake? Because with your awakeness comes this awareness to the opportunities and your need for the spirit and your understanding that God wants to use you as a microphone. And number four, look at this verse 20. And then you always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is, this is so beautiful here. He says, one of the signs of your aliveness, of your awakeness, is that you begin to recognize that everything in your life is a gift of God. He says, when you're sleepwalking, there's this sense of discontentment, of frustration, of ungratitude that tends to permeate the soul. He says, but whenever you're walking alive in the spirit of God, there's just this sense that everything you're experiencing, good and bad, is a gift. Just, just breathe in with me right now, I feel cheesy. Just take a deep breath. Try it again, some of you are too cool, do it again. That's a gift. Do you realize that's a gift? To breathe is a gift. The car you'll get in to drive home is, is a gift. The meal you'll eat, to, to hear a good song, to slow dance with the person you love, to, to laugh, to joke, like all of these things are gifts from God, but even the things that you did not welcome are still gifts from the Lord. 
Think about one of our church planners in India, Pius. We were on the phone with him recently. And a couple of our churches over there are experiencing unbelievable persecution. And he said, I just give God thanks for the season of persecution we're in because our people are growing in loyalty to Jesus and affection for his name. And I went, I've never been around somebody that would thank God like that. But Paul says something happens when you begin to awaken. When you begin to awaken, you see everything as a gift. I had this happen recently. I'm sitting in my kitchen and my three boys are there. They're eating breakfast. They're eating Cheerios. Sydney had gone for a walk with her friend. So I was in charge of breakfast and I poured Cheerios because that's all I can make for breakfast. And they're sitting there eating and they're laughing and they're getting along particularly well that morning. I just felt like an amazing dad. And I'm watching them and God just began to swell my heart with gratitude. I just started thinking, man, like, for whatever reason, God chose me to be the, the one with Sydney to disciple these kids. And I just get them for a season, like I'm borrowing them. They're not even mine. They're, they're here in my house. I get to disciple them in the ways of Jesus. And I'm just like being overwhelmed with gratitude. And so in the middle of breakfast, I decide, hey, I'm gonna have a dad moment. I'm like, hey boys, I want you to stop and I want you to like look at each other, soak this moment in. They didn't do it because they're seven, five, and two, but you know. They're there and they're just ignoring me like a champ, you know, eating breakfast. And I say, hey, I want you to soak this moment in. I said, because the day is coming when you will not live in this house anymore. You're gonna marry women and you're gonna move to different places and you're gonna raise children, no telling where God's gonna send you in the world. Like you're gonna, you're gonna be in a different place and there's gonna be a day when I'm sitting in this kitchen eating alone and I'm gonna be remembering how fun it was to have you here. I'm so grateful for this gift. And Jack just starts crying. He says, are you dying? <laughs> and I said, no. Well, I mean, technically we're all dying, son. You're dying, I'm dying. What, we're dying? You know? So I totally lost on him. But I'm like, when's the last time? When's the last time you were so alive in God that you had the ability to cherish the gift of being alive? He says, you're alive. Question is, are you awake? And this has been burning in my heart the last couple of months because I, I've sensed that in a place like Nashville, it is easy to come to life. There's a lot of access to the gospel here. But in a place like Nashville, it's easy to go right back to sleep. I have this conversation all the time Hundreds of you every year go out on mission trips and you come back and I say, what was it like? And it's always the exact same description. It was amazing. I felt so alive. You know, I, I, stepped, into this, I stepped into this place that I'd never been before and there were needs and God spoke through me and I served and I feel so grateful for what I have. And you come back and you are like a person that's been set on fire by the glory of God until the water of Nashville puts you out. Why is that? I'm convinced that a lot of times it's because we only fall asleep in comfortable places. Like you don't tend to fall asleep on a bed of rocks or in a pile of nails or standing up in an elevator in the middle of an earthquake. Like you don't fall asleep in uncomfortable places. Where do you fall asleep? When you get in that favorite part of your couch when the lights are off and Netflix is on and the fan is blowing, like you fall asleep. And, and the reality is we live in a city where it is just so easy and so comfortable to put on the name of Jesus Christ that sometimes we go straight from aliveness to asleepness and we have no awareness of what it is that the Spirit of God is doing. 
Guys, earlier this year, let me just speak to our church for a minute with love, but earlier this year, man, our church was the most awake I've ever seen us. We spent 30 days in prayer and fasting and the spirit of God was disrupting us and, and turning our lives upside down. You were walking away from things that made you comfortable and God was, and there was this sense of awakeness in us to the spirit of God in our midst. But man, over the last couple of months, I've sensed it in me, I've sensed it in us, that some of us have just drifted back to sleep. And I love this, this word where, where Paul says, hey, you're still alive, but let's wake back up. Let's wake back up to the opportunity and the need and the desire that God has to flow through us. And let's do all of it from a posture of gratitude because God has already done immeasurably more than we could have ever asked or imagined. And the truth is that the waking up portion of our journey with Jesus is sometimes very uncomfortable. Have you ever been startled awake before? You know, some of you that are parents, you have kids that come and jump on you at three in the morning. That's not a fun way to wake up. Some of you have been driving on a long road trip before and you've heard the rumble strip under your tire or you've nudged the guardrail and you've had those moments where you're startled awake, right? And I believe this is a word from the Spirit of God to some of you. There are some of us in our family that need to be startled awake by the Holy Spirit. There's some of you that are playing with fire You've put the tires of your life on a highway of destruction and because everyone else is going in the same direction, you've never even stopped to ask if the flow of traffic is even the flow of traffic you should be in. And for some of you this week, as we pray for awakening, it's gonna feel startling. For some of you, it's gonna feel like all hell is breaking loose and what I would argue is that's the spirit of God just taking hell loose, breaking it off around you so that the spirit of God can get a hold of you. And sometimes waking up is a painful process, but I wanna encourage you, don't resist the waking up of God's spirit in your life. But for some of you, the, the awakening will feel more like Paul talks about in verse 14. It won't feel startling, it'll feel subtle. And I love what he says, look back at verse 14. He says, wake up, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Earlier this year when we moved into the new house, it took us forever to get curtains up on the windows. In the mornings where we were graced by God to not have kids wake us up, the way that we would wake up is the sun would begin to come in through the windows, dark would change to light, cool would change to warmth, and all of a sudden we would just awaken. Isn't it, the, can I just get someone to testify, isn't it one of the greatest things ever when the, you're wakened up by the sun, like just, just gently and here's the blessing that I wanna speak over your life this morning, is that I believe for some of you this awakening will feel startling, but for some of you it will feel so gentle and so warm and so subtle, you will fail to recognize that it is the voice of your Lord saying, come out, wake up, let's play. <laughs> There's stuff for you to do in the world. I'm not done with you yet. Marriage isn't over, the job's not dead, your faith isn't dry, come on. Wake up. And there are times when our lives need the Lord to say, Grr! but a lot of times he lays down like a father and says, hey, come on, let's go. And I just wanna pray for your ability to hear that this week, whether you're Christian or not. The gentle voice of the Lord will say, hey, wake up, there's more. So I wanna invite you to stand with me. I just wanna pray a prayer of blessing over you. 
If you feel comfortable, I invite you to just grab the hand of the person next to you as we pray together. Father, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Holy Spirit, I love you. Jesus Christ, would your light shine upon us? Would you awaken us? Holy Spirit, would you be poured out on us in a fresh way? Would you give us an awareness of who you are and would that awareness lead to an awakeness that would lead us into the places of aliveness, God? We love you. We wanna love you more. We know you. We wanna know you more. Would you wake us up from our sleep? Thank you for the grace of your son Jesus in our life. Thank you for the, the, the grace of your constant work in us. It's in the name of Jesus I pray, amen.